0: What all of us mostly do is we actually say, I'm at point A, but I want to be at point B. Well, the only way to get to point B is to be the person at point B. This is why people write down their goals on a yearly basis, but they never get there because they're being the person at point A where they are instead of being the person at point B where they want to be. They keep repeating that pattern over and over and over again. Here's what we do. Focus on what you want
1: Hey guys, it's Ella. Before we jump in here with this interview with Jim Fortin, I just wanted to share a couple of things with you. First of all, this is a long interview full of a lot of new ideas. Definitely, definitely want to go back and listen to this one twice for sure. I already have. (laughs) Both times I got something completely different out of it. So this may actually be an instant classic. I think you're really going to like it. This show and the content that I talk about with Jim, it represents something that we're going to be talking more about. I wanna go beyond motivation, and I really wanna understand more about how our subconscious, how our brain, how our tendencies, like we talk about with Gretchen Rubin, how all of these things factor into lasting change, into really moving forward to a life of intention. You know what I mean? One of design, where we're truly growing and progressing beyond the status quo, but doing it within ourselves, in alignment with ourselves, not outside of ourselves. We'll talk a lot more about that, but if there's someone in this area, the area of habits, brain science, mindset, all of this arena, if you will, if there's someone that you want me to talk about in this space, let me know. You know how to connect with me, but I love getting suggestions from you, people that you're connecting with or new work that you're hearing. It's so great to get suggestions from you for me to reach out to people to get them on the show. So thanks in advance for that. Now, a word about this show. In this case, I pulled Jim Fortin out of his usual arena. We will talk about this a little bit on the show, but Jim coaches high-performing sales professionals, business owners, entrepreneurs, And I pulled him out of that world and I said, can you come speak to us in a context that's not necessarily new to Jim, but it's not his traditional space. So bear that in mind when Jim uses examples in talking about habits. He mentions dieting and losing weight and several other things that may sound you know, out of alignment with my non-dieting approach and generally evolving philosophy, right? So if you're currently trying to move away from the dieting mindset, you might find that a little bit distracting. But bear in mind, these are just very easy go-to examples when we're talking about building habits and just understand the larger point that Jim and I are actually discussing here, okay? He uses examples in order to make his points about habit building and the subconscious. The most useful thing that you and I can do is listen to this with a particular habit that we are trying to get rid of in our life, as well as a goal, like a place that you want to be in a specific area of your life, whether it's financial or professional, or maybe a relationship goal, and hold that in mind throughout this discussion, all right? So hold in your mind something you'd like to let go of, and then a place you want to grow closer to, a goal you want to achieve, a state of being that you want to to achieve. That will help you get the most out of this show without getting swept up in the diet language per se. It's a good idea for everybody. What do you want to move away from and what do you want to move toward? Think about that before we jump in with Jim Fortin. First, a quick word from our sponsor. So, true story. When I found out that you can make bread and muffins and brownies out of real food products, including gluten-free flours, for example, it opened up a whole category of yumminess that I thought was behind me, quite frankly, in my move toward real food when I made that transition years ago. Because I don't love the way that I feel after I eat super starchy, sugary treats, right? Cake or cupcakes or anything of that nature. It just doesn't feel good in my body. Bob's Red Mill saw me coming because they have a complete line of gluten-free flours like almond flour, hazelnut flour, coconut flour. They even have a flour that's just called paleo flour that can be used for pizza crust and flatbread. Everything you and your family want, but without the gluten if that's not your jam. So if gluten's not a problem for you, then they've got the healthiest stone ground wheat flours you're going to find anywhere. It's all made in their mill in Oregon with such, such care. These people are the real deal. Bob's Red Mill makes everything in the most natural way with the most traditional methods available. And no matter where you are, you can save 25% when you shop right off their site, bobsredmill.com. Save 25% off of your entire order when you enter code Ella at checkout. Hopping on their site is like taking a peek into my pantry. I love these guys, and I love that they're supporting the show. That's bobsredmill.com. Enter code Ella to save 25% off of your entire order. And as a bonus, in the show notes for this episode, I'm going to link to three of my favorite recipes using almond flour and coconut flour for making zucchini bread in the slow cooker, chocolate zucchini bread, and paleo pumpkin bread. All breads that are absolutely delicious and are made out of whole foods. All right, let's jump in with Jim Fortin. Hey, everyone. You're on air with Ella, and I hope no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are, I hope you're buckled up because you are in for a ride. It is my pleasure to welcome to the show Mr. Jim Fortin. Hi, Jim. How are you?
0: Hey there. I'm great. Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: I am 1,000% <laughs> stoked for you to be here. You guys, Jim is a certified master practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. You've heard of that as NLP before. And he's also a certified master hypnotist. He uses advanced hypnotic language patterns and brain-based behavioral science. And he's merged these areas into this new, highly effective persuasion technology that he has created called NeuroPersuasion. And his techniques can help you professionally and personally. And I brought Jim on today because, Jim, I am dying to talk to you about habits and how we form them and how we make lasting change, etc. But first, would you do me a favor and kind of break yeah. down who you are and what you do?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for those of you listening, I'm going to give you tons and tons of rubber meets the road takeaways today. So who am I and what do I what do? I do? Plain and simple is I am an expert with subconscious persuasion and influence and performance. When I work with people, whether it be in selling, because I have a heavy dose of selling professionals that follow me, entrepreneurs, um, what I do is I help them with persuasion and influence to grow their business. But what I work in and I have for many, many years is subconscious performance, how to rewire, how to change ourselves at the subconscious level. So many times people try to categorize me and put me into the sales trainer category when it comes to sales and performance. And rather, what I do is I put myself as a leader in the subconscious influence, persuasion, and performance category. So everything we're going to talk about today is brain-based. There's no rah-rah, you can do what you can win, Mr. Motivator, none of that stuff. We're going to talk about how people's brains work, how we work unconsciously, and how to create change at a deep and effective level.
1: The first thing I'd love to get on the table, Jim, is what is NLP? Because it's some a term that people have heard, and you know, a lot of times people associate that term with Tony Robbins and his work, but it's definitely not just Tony's thing. It's a huge field, and I would love your take on it, and I know that you have decades of experience with NLP. Tell us what it is.
0: Yeah, NLP is the acronym, is NLP for Neuro Linguistic Programming. What Tony did is he learned NLP back in the 80s from a woman that I've been a business partner with for a lot of years, and then he rebranded it. I think he called it NAC or something like that, Neural Associative Conditioning, and it was created by Richard Bandler and John Grinder back in the 70s. Quite literally, it's, and there's so many things I could say, but I'll try to put this in a nutshell. It is the psychology of subjective experience, meaning how we subjectively think. It's more practical than it is theoretical, like let's say Freudian psychology. It's more of a a patterns. We watch our own patterns, how we process information. And when we understand how we process information, which is is brain-based, then it's easier to change habits in ourselves and in other people. So to put it simply, it's a practical application psychology to help you create deep level change. And let me actually suggest the book to everyone listening. We used to teach out of this book years ago, and it's called Introducing NLP. Introducing NLP, and I believe it's either John or Joseph. I think it's Joseph O'Connor. NLP is a very, very comprehensive subject. But this one book just breaks it down and gives you the bare bones. And like I said, it was so good. We used to teach when I taught NLP out of that book.
1: Jim, one of the things that drives me crazy in this space, and by the way, I'm completely a part of the problem, is everybody knows that when it comes to making change, it's not so much your skill set, it's your mindset, right? Don't just change okay. your skill set, change your mindset. But there's so much wrong with that. It's so difficult to just say, just change your mindset. Like if it were that easy, Jim, wouldn't we all be there already?
0: Yeah, in the whole industry. So, to what you're saying, is that we hear all the time about, oh, just change your mindset and your world's going to get a lot better, but the person finds himself back in their old pattern just a couple of days later. That's what you're saying, right? All the
1: time. All
0: the time. Okay. Now, we let's dialogue here, but let me take this apart. Let me unpack this, and this is a big thing. The entire industry pretty much is working backwards. Everyone works from the outside in instead of the inside out. People say, oh, just change your mindset. Now, let me take this and make this brain-based as to why that doesn't work anytime any of us, you, me, any of us, anytime we say, you know what, I'm going to change my mindset. Now, I know that you you know, your audience is heavily into personal development and physical wellness. So let's say, for example, somebody says, let's take dieting. It's a great example that, you know what, on Monday, I'm going to start actually, I'm going to, I'm going to get on a diet on Monday and I'm going to actually start working out and I'm going to eat well that's a pretty much universal thing that a lot of people do, right?
1: It's been done, yes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So the person says, oh, I'm gonna change my mindset, right? That's what they do. I'm gonna change my mindset and get healthy. And they clean out their cupboards and they get rid of the ho-hos and the ding-dongs and the Cheetos and the Fritos and all that. And then Monday, they're like, you know what? I'm feeling really good. And Tuesday, I'm feeling even better and I'm gonna lose 40 pounds and all this kind of stuff. And then by Friday, they're back to their old patterns again. Now, what's happening here is what people, when people say they want to change their mindset, which is prefrontal cortex. We'll explain more about that in just a minute. When they say they want to change their mindset, that's the thinking part of the brain. But what they're really saying is I want to change my habits. And habits come from a different part of the brain, the older part of the brain called the reptilian brain. So what we try to do is we try to actually change our thinking, which is the executive part of the brain, when the habit comes from the in the oldest part of the brain. So then what we do is we set up the brain to fight itself, okay? So what happens is we get into, let's say for example, the chocolate. Habit, which is reptilian brain, habit. And then the thinking part of the brain says no. So then we get into the the habit, what I call a habit battle. Have the chocolate, don't have the chocolate. Have the chocolate, don't have the chocolate. And then we actually lose to the urge, which comes from the older part of the brain. We lose to the urge. We actually have the chocolate bar and then we think about it with the prefrontal cortex saying, see, I told you that you don't have any willpower and you were going to lose anyway. Did that make sense, Ella?
1: Yes. And thus the nasty cycle begins. And so this happens with exercise all the time. We, we're so motivated in a moment and we're going to start moving and taking care of our body and then we do it and it feels good and that's obviously a reinforcement to do it again. Yeah. And then life happens, right? Invariably, life happens and you create the fight between your primal brain, your reptilian brain and your prefrontal cortex where you think, this is what I'm hearing you say, the pre- Prefrontal cortex is the executive branch, right? And it's the part you work on changing. I'm gonna change my thinking. I'm gonna reframe. But that primal lizard brain, which is what I call it.
0: Yep, yep, cock brain, lizard brain, yeah. Right.
1: That's like, that's really fundamentally like that's who you are. And until you get there, you're just it's just a head game.
0: Yeah, and let's dialogue here. We're both predominantly visual, so we both move very fast. So I don't mean to interrupt, but let me interject on some of the things that you say so we can break it down even further. Great. First, you nailed it. Yes, you you nailed it. What happens is the reptilian brain has the habit. So habits are actually housed in the reptilian part of the brain. That's the part of the brain at the brainstem that manages our habits on a daily basis. So now you talk about working out. What happens is we're in the habit of not working out. And then we talk to ourselves, which is prefrontal cortex. I need to work out because my skinny jeans don't fit anymore. So I'm going to work out and I'm going to be, I'm going to be really good about this and I'm going to stick to it. And the habit part of the brain says, nope, nope, no, you're not. You're not in the habit of working out. So I don't care what you think operative word think prefrontal cortex. I don't care what you think you're going to do. That is not a habit that you have. Therefore I'm going to sabotage that because every habit you have no matter whether you think it is positive or negative, whatever habit you have, it's my job, being a reptilian brain, to maintain that habit. Let me go a little step further here, Ella. Um, on my website, somebody asked me this question. They said, "Well, I don't get, I don't get it, Jim. Um, I think that smoking is a bad habit, but I do it." They didn't understand the prefrontal and the reptilian brain, and they said, "Well." Because what I told them is every habit we have, every one of you listening, every habit that you have, whether it's online pornography or smoking pot every night or drinking a bottle of wine or exercising every day or eating chicken breast and water, whatever habits you have, your reptilian brain believes that habit is a survival mechanism and it will do anything to maintain the habit, even if it's a destructive habit like smoking.
1: Mm, Yeah, and that's why people don't change even when they really, really want to.
0: So you said really, really want to. For everybody listening, that's prefrontal cortex. That's our thinking brain, mm-hmm. right? I really want st- to I really want to stop smoking. It's not good around the grandkids or whatever. Or, you know, my girlfriend doesn't like it or whatever. Mm-hmm. For everyone listening, that's prefrontal thinking part of the brain. But the habit comes from a different part of the brain.
1: Why is it so hard to quit in just the most basic terms? What are we supposed to do
0: about it? Why is it so hard? Because... The reptilian part of the brain, the older part of the brain, believes that every habit we have is necessary for survival, even if it's like smoking. Even what we deem and we think is a bad habit, the reptilian brain does not distinguish values on habits. Habits are simply habits, period. So the reptilian brain says, you know what? Every habit I have, because the reptilian part of the brain is responsible for our survival. So the reptilian part of the brain says every habit you have, Ella, you have to have that habit because you need it for survival, no matter what the habit is. And because you need it for survival, there is no way I'm going to let go of this habit because if I do, then I'm going to jeopardize your survival.
1: Okay. So quick sidebar. (laughs) I want to explain how I understand this with a quick anecdote and then how I don't understand it. So I understood, and I've been talking about this on the show, binge eating for me stopped like after a wild history stopped for me when I realized that it was coming from my lizard brain and it was tied to my survival and it was created by deprivation. So when I quit the deprivation, I quit the binge eating. I sorted it out. It sounds like magic, but the truth is it was because once you understand it, you can't unknow it. So I understand that when you Love figure that. out that habits are driven by survival needs that are based in, I'm literally like pointing to my brain stem yeah, here, yeah. <laughs> to your By to the your way, brain. not stump,
0: all. all <laughs> every all, single all,
1: one. Every yeah. single one. Okay. Then what I don't understand is the habit of not doing. So, what about the person who's saying, I am in the habit of not taking care of myself. I am in the habit of not moving my body. I am in the habit of not eating well. And I know I want to, and I know I need to, and I'm not doing it.
0: Executive brain executive brain has a dialogue, but not taking care of themselves is – now we go from brain to mind, okay? Not taking care of, of, of yourself for whatever reason might be destructive because at an identity level – we hate ourselves and i'm only making that up i'm not playing freud here but I'm, right, I'm, right. i say i'm making it up as an example well, let me i'm in my home office and let me read something i wrote on a on a board here and i wrote it 10 years ago temporary you know the erasable marker but it's been on this board for so long it won't erase <laughs> and i wrote, and this has popped in my head it said you treat yourself as you perceive yourself
1: I get that. It's your identity. You're identifying a certain way. You probably don't even realize it half the time, right?
0: Exactly. So, okay. So if I perceive myself as a bad person and then I get in the habit of treating myself poorly, the thought becomes a habit and then it becomes completely unconscious. And then we just do it automatically without even knowing we're doing it.
1: Okay. There's so much here. (laughs) (laughs) There's so much here. Because To break it down again, I like to, I like to baby step. So baby step our way through this. Okay. So we understand that the habits that we're creating, that in our primal brain, in our reptilian brain, they are tied to survival. You are doing this because you have convinced yourself on a subconscious level, Jim, that this is required for your survival.
0: You've not convinced yourself of anything. Your brain's just done it through repetition.
1: Oh, that makes, that makes more sense. Okay.
0: Yeah. I get What that. you're still doing here, I'm noticing here what you're still doing is confusing, not confusing, but you're still actually acting as if the prefrontal and the habit part of the brain, the lizard brain as you call it, you're still acting as if they dialogue with each other. And they kind of do, but what we have to do, let's, let's go here. Habits happen because they are habits. That is it. Period. And everyone else then tries to actually use their brain and say, no, I eat and I do it because I'm bored and I'm lonely and I'm unfulfilled, blah, 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 blah. No, that's already prefrontal cortex thinking stuff. Habits happen because they are habits, period. And habits have nothing to do with you and your identity per se. Now, what I mean by that, let's say, for example, Ella, let me give you a uh, break it down and give you a, a metaphor or an analogy for my life. Great. I used to drink Diet Coke. Now, as I understand, Diet Coke is bad for you, really bad for you. And so when I learned all this, what I did is I drink a Diet Coke every afternoon about one o'clock, and then I used to rationalize and say, you know what, it's bad for you, but you know what, Jim, you don't drink coffee, and you've got a long day, and you've been traveling and everything else. Then I would get prefrontal cortex, have the Coke because you need the caffeine, mm-hmm. okay, So I'd rationalize, you know what, you're tired, you flew in on the red red eye from speaking, whatever, and I would rationalize why I wanted the Diet Coke, okay? Let me segue and come back. Women will always say to me when I used to do hypnosis, they would say things like, I eat because I'm bored, I eat because I'm lonely, et cetera, and I'd say, no, you eat because you eat. That's why, it's a habit, that's why, but we tie an outcome to it. Now back to the Diet Coke and about identities, where I started this loop is a lot of times people will personalize the habit and say, you know what, oh my gosh, it is so hard to quit Diet Coke, I am just, I have no, notice the I word, I have no willpower, Mm. I am so weak, I can't do it, I quit every time, I just lose every time, I have no stamina. They make the habit about their identity and then because they can't quit the habit, they give themselves a negative identity like I'm just weak. And then it becomes a loop. I'm so weak, so therefore I'm just going to fall into the habit anyway.
1: This makes sense. Habits happen because they are habits. In other words, they're repeated behavior. They are the ruts in the road, and we make them deeper and deeper. They're literally ruts in our brain. That's all they are. Yeah. Well,
0: they're they're neural pathways in the brain. Yes. And what happens is we have a habit, we get into a habit, we fire neurons in the brain, In the old phrase, neurons that fire together, wire together, which makes the ruts even deeper. Let's stop right there. Everybody listening, stop right there. That is what a habit is. Plain and simple, black and white. A habit is a habit and nothing else. But what everyone listening until now, what they've done, is they've made the habit about them. I can't stop eating chocolate. I can't stop eating cookies. I'm lazy. I'm a procrastinator. I am this, I am that. When they had put a meaning on the habit. But the habit is just a habit when we get that now we can change the habit if we don't get that which i'm sure we'll talk about if a person can't get that they can't change the habit because they stay in what i call the habit loop prefrontal cortex dialoguing with reptilian brain and then it becomes a battle back and forth back and forth back and forth back and forth and then what happens is the prefrontal cortex is all analytical and analytical will always lose to emotional which is reptilian and limbic system so we get in the battle, have the chocolate, no, have the chocolate, no, have the chocolate, no. And we lose because the urge is an emotion and the emotion is stronger than the thought.
1: So when I brush my teeth, I am just brushing my teeth. It is my habit. It is not, yep. it doesn't make me a good or bad person.
0: <laughs> I love that. Right? I love that. So that's the best. Yeah, that's the best metaphor. If you notice when you put your shirt on every day, um, whatever, if you have a button down shirt or a button shirt, you always button from the bottom up or the top down or the middle or wherever you start. And you do the same thing every single day, every single time in the same way, but it's not a reflection of your character as a human being. It's simply a habit.
1: So we create, we assign meaning to other habits based on our environment, our our context, if you will, and we assign meaning and then we tell ourselves stories and create beliefs around ourselves. Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's, yeah, that's the, that's the brain. That's what we do. And what most of us do, being a hypnotist for many years, women say, and they look in the mirror all the time, and they say, I'm so fat, I'm so fat. Well, if they deemed themselves as that, they've gotten there through habit, most likely. I mean, there could be a medical condition, but most likely, it's habit. Now, they're assigning meaning to themselves about who they are because of the habit. I'm lazy. I just am not motivated. And then the cycle continues on and on and on.
1: And we've assigned meaning around what the word "fat" means. We've created a story that if you have fat on your body, that's even bad in the first place. <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah. we,
1: we've created a whole narrative around literally everything that we do, and and sometimes the narrative's positive, and most of the time it isn't. So what I'm understanding is if we could pull not our brain apart, really, but sort of this whole process apart, your thoughts are different than your being or like your most primal self? Is that? Yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: Primal self doesn't have a language. Well, it has an emotion is language, but it doesn't analyze. That's what we have to understand is the primal part of the brain does not analyze. For example, I am terrified of snakes. I mean, if I saw a snake right now, I'd run through a fence just to get away from it. <laughs> I mean, I, I scream like a schoolgirl. I mean, it's, uh, snakes just, we don't mix. If I walked outside and saw a snake on my front porch Okay. Let's look at the brain here. If I saw a snake on the front porch, your primal nanosecond, nanosecond reaction is to move away from that snake. Okay. That's reptilian brain. That's fight or flight. That's survival mechanism. That's habit brain. Now, prefrontal cortex thinking brain, which is, does not even get involved, would be, hmm, is that a snake? Do I like snakes today? What do I think about snakes? Now, should I run? Should I walk? Should I jog away from here? Am I going to jog left? Am I going to run right? Am I going to step over the snake? That's all analytical brain. We don't get into any of that. None. Zero. Me, I see that snake and I'm out of there literally in one tenth of a second. (laughs) That is primal brain. And we all, we work from what primal brain has been trained to do as a habit
1: then you know what my next question is going to be. And that is, then how do we change our primal brain? How do we implement change?
0: Let's start in two ways. First, let's go here. because This is a big one. Do you know what this, and this is going to actually irritate a lot of people. And that's great because I'm going to give you facts. Do you know what the success rate at Alcoholics Anonymous is?
1: I don't actually, I have no idea.
0: Uh, from what I've read from the Mayo Clinic and different places that long-term, long-term sobriety for AA is 50% or less and I've heard as low as 10% are successful. Now, when I looked at AA, and I looked at their program and everything, what they do is they have their program set up to work opposite of the way the brain works. The way that AA is set up, metaphorically speaking, everybody listening now, is what they say is in your left hand, you have a drink. And in your right hand, you have sobriety. And then you've got your thought, about sobriety, if I have that drink, then I'm not going to be sober anymore. So what they do is they put you, see people drink out of habit. So then what, what AA does is says, you've got a habit, but we're going to put that habit right in front of you every day, but you can't do it. And then we get into deprivation, like you mentioned earlier. And then what happens is we argue habit loop, have the drink. No, you can't. You've been sober for six months. Have the drink from the reptilian brain. It's a habit. Have the drink. No, I can't. I promised my wife that I wouldn't. Have the drink. And the voice gets louder and louder because the reptilian brain wants you to go into the habit to keep the habit. It's a survival mechanism. So then what we do is we dialogue back and forth and then we fight and then we always lose again. We lose to the habit because it's emotional. It's a, it's physiological And then we lose to the habit. And then we go back to identity saying, see, I told you that I couldn't do it anyway. I'm just a drunk. I have no willpower. I'm just a loser. I'm just this. I'm just that, whatever it might be.
1: And it feels like the habit's in charge of you.
0: Yes, because, see, the habit comes with an urge. And the urge is the mechanism to keep the habit alive. And the the urge is physiological and emotional. And the reason it feels like it controls us is because we try to think, which is non-emotional, out of the urge. And the urge is stronger because it's emotional. Are you with me so far? Then I'll finish the question we started. Totally. It's,
1: it's why people think they're addicted to sugar is because they have a legit physiological response, response and an emotional response.
0: Exactly. And okay. then the brain kicks in and says, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. And that's when the habit loop and the battle starts. Now, to break the habit, what we have to do is we have to dialogue. This is how I stopped Diet Coke that I started earlier. So one day I made a declaration. Boom. I'm done 100% with Diet Coke. Period. Period. Now, that's important. I made the declaration. We have to make a declaration. I'm done with sugar, wine, whatever, you know, Cheetos, whatever it is. We make a declaration. And then what's going to happen is the reptilian brain is going to say, nope, you drink Diet Coke, go get it. When that urge came, what I said to myself was this You're having an urge. It is not you, it is just your reptilian brain wanting to go back into your old habits. I disassociated from the reptilian brain. I didn't make it about me. I didn't mm. make a Diet Coke about me. I disassociated from the urge simply by dialogue saying that is, this is exactly what I said, folks. Literally, nope, that is not me wanting the Diet Coke. That is my reptilian brain. It is just a habit, and I dismiss the habit.
1: There's so much power in calling it what it is.
0: Well, that's what it is. It's not us. It's not me, right? I said, it's not me. And I give you my word, everyone listening. I had that habit for 20 years. And trust me when I tell you that was a habit. And candidly, it was a bear of a habit because I just did it. For, you know what? I even liked the taste of that crap. I did. I liked it. And my, my, my word is this. When I stopped with what I just shared with you, mm. I have not touched a Diet Coke since then. The next day, I had a little urge come up. When I was driving by the 7-Eleven where I used to go buy it because I didn't keep it in the house because this is illogical and stupid, but so I had to go out and buy it. But I went every day to the same 7-Eleven. And the day I stopped, the next day I drove by the 7-Eleven and I had a little bit of an urge, mm Diet Coke. And I went into what I just gave you. That is not me. That is my habit brain. I dismiss it and I, I move my attention. And I have not touched a Diet Coke since then, and I don't even know how long ago that was. And I'm telling every one of you, that's the, you can use that same process, but you've got to make a declaration. Real quick, Ella, you have to make a declaration. If you're kind of like, eh, you know, I think I might try this with donuts or Diet Coke, it ain't going to work. But when you put your foot down and you make a declaration, I'm done with. Wine does not exist for me. And then you go into what I gave you. Or checking Facebook 40,000 times a day does not exist for me. And that's the exact phraseology that I use, mm-hmm. especially with people when I want them to break a behavior, wine does not exist for me. And then go into the, ha- the, the talk that I gave you, you'll find it very easy. And then final comment on this thread is what will happen is once you stop the habit and you do that, the reptilian brain will say, you know what? I keep giving Ella the urge to have a donut, but what's, I don't know what's going on. She's not acting on it. Therefore I'm going to stop giving her the urge.
1: Some people will hear that and think it sounds like just a magic bullet, Jim. Do you know what I mean? And the thing that I wanna underscore from what you're saying is, this is not a negotiation or a suit you try on to see if it fits. This is you saying, this is the skin I'm in, this body, this person is completely separate from that lizard voice, and it's like, I rebuke you. You are not me, you are not in charge of me. Like, how how do you tell skeptics what this really is?
0: Okay, so you said there are going to be some people listening that are going to think, no way, this guy is full of it, right? (laughs) I mean, that's kind of what you said, right? Well, the reason why is they've had the opposite experience of what I'm sharing with them right now. So because of that opposite experience, they've created the belief that nothing works for them. And that's content versus context, which we didn't get into earlier. They work already from a belief that no matter which women will say, no matter what I do, I can't lose weight. So if they work from that primary belief system, no matter what they do, whether it's working out or hiring Arnold Schwarzenegger or the best nutritionist or hypnosis or whatever, Pilates, nothing will work because a higher context belief or a deeper belief is everything I try doesn't work, okay? So what is your belief about change? People believe that change is hard. Change is not hard. Change is simple. You can change anything in your life in a day. Look around you. How many people – my buddy Brad, years ago, back when we were young, we were roommates, he drank way too much. And his girlfriend said, Brad, if I catch you with another drink, I'm leaving you. Guess what? Brad stopped drinking. But yet, he had this habit for years. So people think, oh, these habits, they have these beliefs. And even therapists tell you these beliefs, oh, your change is going to be long term. Yes,
1: yes. Tell me about your mother. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) And
0: you know what? That's controversial for some of you, and that's fine. But see, when you get into therapy, you get into talk therapy, which is all left brain – prefrontal cortex when all of your issues and habits and everything are stored in a different part of the brain we can change anything in a heartbeat any of us can change anything in a heartbeat but we don't recognize that my mentor who's a shaman said to me most people don't realize that they can start or stop anything in their life in a second but we have beliefs about whether we can or we can't therefore we don't do it here's what happens you said and i love the word that you use something along the lines of we have to why well, you declare okay What people do is they say, I'm going to put my toe in the water instead of jumping all the way in. Everyone write down these two words. The first word is dismiss. The second word is ignore. Dismiss and ignore. To break a bad habit or a habit we don't want, we have to dismiss it. What most people do is ignore it. Ellen, what do you think the difference between those two words is?
1: Dismiss makes it not exist for you anymore. Ignore means it's sitting right next to you and you're looking the other way.
0: Bingo, that's exactly what it is. That's why I said for me, dismissing is this. Dismissing is Diet Coke, for me, is a thing of the past, period. Move my attention, meaning move my thinking to somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You are where your attention is. And if you're upside down financially, that's where your attention is. If your health is out of whack, that's where your attention is. If something's not working in your life, that's because that's where your attention is. Now, back to dismiss and ignore. Dismiss is literally dismissing diet coke for me does not exist it is a thing of the past period move my attention i cannot want what i am not thinking about i cannot want what i'm not thinking about so let's go back to my diet coke the more i thought about a diet coke the more i what?
1: of course the more you want it the more you're rejecting it the more you want
0: it exactly because you're thinking in negatives and the brain can't think in negatives i'm a negative for everyone listening is this if i said don't think of a pink elephant." What are you thinking of?
1: Immediately and always. will Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so most people actually get into, I'm not going to have any coffee. I'm not going to have any coffee. I'm not going to have any coffee. And that's literally what they're actually recreating and wanting more of because that's what they're thinking about. So dismissing is literally, you can't w- want what you're not thinking about. So when I dismiss Diet Coke, I'm not thinking about it. And I can't want what I'm not thinking about. Please get that. You can't want what you're not thinking about. So any habit you have... The reason you, you, the habit and the urge get stronger is because what are you doing, Ella?
1: Entirely focusing on it.
0: Exactly. Or, yeah, or the lack of it or wanting it or, or whatever. But our attention is on having that thing or not doing something. And then because our attention is there, that's what we want more of. So dismissing is exactly that. And ignoring is the habit battle like that drink's over there. but I'm going to have it. No, I'm not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ignore it. I'm going to look the other way. I'm going to look the other direction so I can't see that cupcake over there. But, oh, my gosh, that sure smells good. I sure want some of that. That's ignoring. When we get into ignoring, we will fail every single time. Why? Because the reptilian part of the brain, again, going back into emotions, creates emotions, which creates urges, are always stronger than rationalization.
1: Some people say that you have to replace the habit you're trying to break with another one. I, I've got questions about that. What, is, what does Correct. that look like for you?
0: Yeah, you, you don't you don't have to displace it. Some people will say, like, if you stop smoking, you got to replace it with something else. No, you, you don't have to do that. Literally, once you don't have the habit, you don't have the habit. So if you don't have the habit, why would you need to replace it with something? I mean, how many yeah. habits does the brain need? Do we need 11.5 habits? And if you get rid of half a habit, do you need to replace it with a half of another habit?
1: And you could find yourself focusing on it. Like instead of <laughs> snacking, I'm going to go for a walk. And then every time you're like, I have to walk instead of snack. I have to walk. Instead. And then exactly. what are you thinking? You're thinking snack, it, snack, 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 snack.
0: Ella, <laughs> you get this. Yeah.
1: So you could change a habit in an instant if you chose to.
0: Actually, you're the first person who's gotten that. Yeah. You can change a habit based upon motivation. If like my buddy Brad, his girlfriend Kristen said, I'm going to leave you. This is a lot of years ago. But guess what? That was enough motivation to change that habit instantaneously. But if you want to create some new habit in your life, research says if you do it with no analytical thought, just do it day one, day two, day three, it takes about 67 days, six, seven wow. to cement in. And this is, neuro- this, I mean, this is like real science. I mean, neuroscience it takes about 67 days for a habit to co- become completely unconsciously competent, meaning the habit happens, no analytical thought. It happens automatically.
1: Wow. So- that sounds exhausting. <laughs>
0: Well, it can be, but notice notice the context you even came to this with. That sounds exhausting. Yes. So what is your overall frame now on that process?
1: Right, that it's hard and it's draining yeah. and it's kind of a pain.
0: And let's take a step back here also. I coach um, entrepreneurs and selling professionals. And this is the way that I look at it. Where are you going to be in 67 days anyway?
1: Right. And if you don't start today, then
0: exactly. add
1: another 67 and then add another 67. Okay, I get it.
0: And you said earlier, why don't people change? There's your answer. We have to actually, we have to turn our life into processes. There are, you can go to whatever phone you use, Android or or Apple, and you can buy habit apps that remind you to do a certain habit every single day at a certain time, something Mm -hmm. new. Start simple. And that could be, for example, um, I want to read, let's say I want to read 10 minutes every day. Have you ever started something like that, like that's small, but you find you don't do it, but you say you want to do it?
1: Yeah, meditation.
0: Okay. What you could do is say, you know what? I want to meditate for 10 minutes every day. But what you want to do is you want to tie it to a habit cue or a time cue or an activity cue. So let's say, for example, a habit cue would be you're in the habit of brushing your teeth every morning, I hope. Don't want to embarrass you, but I guess you do, right? (laughs) Yeah,
1: definitely. I'm good with that one.
0: (laughs) Okay, good. Good, good. We're good there. So that's a habit that already happens. We don't have to think about that habit Mm -hmm. because it already happens, right? So what we could do is Ella could say, you know what? I want to meditate for 10 minutes every day, and my reminder is when I brush my teeth. That habit happens automatically. Then I automatically go meditate. Mm-hmm. Now you're tying a second habit you want to create to the first habit that's already created. But you can also use a habit app to remind you. Um, there's there's several habit apps out there, but a good app is called Streaks, S-T-R-E-A-K-S. Okay. And the great thing about that is, do you know why programs that have points, the brain like something that it can see, something that's mm. real, steps to an end result, okay? So if we get a habit app like Streaks, the purpose is, number one, it reminds you to do the habit, but secondly, not only that, is day one, you get a, like a little check mark, you know, your your little box is checked off on your habit app. Day two, day three, day four, now you're creating a streaks of habits, and that in itself, the brain likes to see progress, helps to keep the person on track.
1: That must be why everyone who gets a Fitbit starts walking and is obsessed with 10,000 steps for at least, yep. you know, a week or six months.
0: <laughs> that is it. Consi- no, yes, consistent with their self-image. Let's go back now to identity. Then we'll go over to the logical level you talked about. So let's say, for example, the person has this identity that I'm always an overweight person. They'll start the Fitbit, but it will never become a habit because in their unconscious mind, talking mind now, not brain, in their unconscious mind, their identity, which is all thought and belief paradigm, is that they're overweight. So they'll start the Fitbit, but they never create the new habit because it's inconsistent with their identity. Everyone right now, everyone listening, providing you're not in the car, Take a piece of paper and draw a triangle. At the bottom of the triangle, at the base of the bottom, inside the triangle, write the word identity. Identity.
1: Okay, you know I'm doing this. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. What you could do, I don't usually, because I don't know people's beliefs or thoughts or consciousness, the, the formal model has below that, it has the word like source, S-O-U-R-C-E. Right. Like where all energy comes from. But I usually don't start there because I don't know where people are in their own beliefs or values or filters or whatever. But let's start at identity. Now, like a ladder, let's go above identity and you wanna put beliefs above that. So you have identity at the bottom, beliefs above that. Then on top of that, you wanna have capabilities up the ladder. Next rung up is number three is capabilities. Number four above that is behavior. Got it. And then above that, the top one is environment.
1: Okay, so we have source, identity, beliefs, capabilities, behavior, environment.
0: Yeah let's slow down here rubber meets the road. So all of you listening right now, let's say that you want to start something, you want something different in your life. Okay. So then you get into the mindset, Oh, I've got to do something different. I'm going to change my mindset. So let's use new year's resolutions. Ella, what percentage of people are in the gym at the end of the first 30 days of New Year's resolutions?
1: After, well, on day one, there are no parking spaces in the gym. And by okay. January 30th, there 40% of the parking spaces are free. And by February, there are three cars in the parking
0: lot. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they say that 8% of people actually stick with the resolution. Now, here's what people do. All of you listening and watching and, and look at that graph in front of you. What everyone does is they say, I want to change something in my life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to change my behavior. Now, so I change my behavior, and let's say that I want to work out. Let's say I'm 40 pounds overweight. I'm going to go to the gym, which is behavior, and I'm going to actually change my diet, which is behavior, to get a different outcome, which is what the environment means. However, if you go to the bottom of the pyramid, we all operate from identity, Mm -hmm. meaning who we are at an unconscious level. Everyone write this down, please, this one phrase. I can only do what I am. So I'm going to give you two ways to, 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 think, to think about this. I can only do what I am, and I cannot do what I am not. I can only do what I am, and I cannot do what I am not. Ella, I didn't buy any cigarettes today. How come?
1: Because you are not a smoker. You don't Correct. identify as a smoker.
0: Exactly. At the identity level, I don't identify as a smoker. So, because I don't identify and I don't have that belief about myself, I I can't, if you ask me to smoke a cigarette right now, you need to get your video camera out because it'd be a really good YouTube (laughs) video because I'd hack up a lung trying to do it. But notice, I don't do what I'm not. So, if you're not working out, we beat ourselves up for not working out, but in our identity, we're not a person who works out. Many years ago, I'm 52, but when I was younger, I worked out religiously. And there was this one dude in the gym and that guy was like, I mean, he had like a body on the cover of men's fitness and we were talking one day and he said something that I didn't remember for years later. He's in like pharmaceutical sales and he goes, we go to dinners all the time, steak dinners and all that. And everyone else has steak and potatoes and I have chicken and rice. And this is what he said, because that's who I am. Hmm. Now he doesn't know what he said. He just said it years later. I'm like, dang, that's why he's got 5% body fat. Because who he is creates that environment and that outcome. So let's take this over to business for a second. People say, I don't prospect. I don't prospect. Or entrepreneurs, because pretty much a lot of people are entrepreneurs on this on this podcast. Why am I not building? Why am I not doing the things I need to do to build my business? I, I know I should be prospecting, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? You can only do what you are. And so for you to do that, you have to be that in your identity, which is your unconscious programming, which we learn as small kids.
1: And then your brain says, oh, crap, if that's who I am, then I'm screwed because that's who I am. And I've been that way. You know, as programmed when I was a kid. And, but the story doesn't end there. And what I'm hearing you say is we do what we are. I love that, by the way. And yeah. it is our identity that we need to be looking at shifting, not our doing, not our Correct. actions.
0: So, so you ask why everybody failed. There's another reason right there everyone tries to go do something different. What I mean is I want to lose weight. I'm going to go do something. No one ever looks at who is the person who created the person overweight. Who was I being that created the doing? Everyone starts at doing everyone. Even if you go by motivational books, they tell you to start at the doing, go do something. Tony Robbins, God bless him. And I respect his success. Take massive action. Right. Why do you think That, that, that wears off because if I am not in my identity, a person who can take massive action, then I can't do the doing, but that's where everybody starts, go do something. And that is the wrong place to start. Where we have to look at is who am I be at a being level? Who am I being? What is my identity? And then people say, well, Jim, how do I know what my identity is? Easy. Go look in the mirror. Look at your bank account. Look at your sales. Look at everything in your life. Your life is a reflection of your identity
1: how does one accept this and with radical personal accountability do anything about it versus saying oh well my parents really screwed me up so i'm toast
0: you said with radical did you say accountability was the uh, word that you used yes yes okay so yeah. the way that you set that up is okay people listening how do i take radical accountability and change but here's another problem already if in my identity i'm not a person who is accountable then no matter how much I try to do the act of being accountable, it won't happen because in my identity, I'm not accountable. My coach says, and I love this, that success is a matter of character and character is a ways of being. So what I tell people all the time is people used to come to me, I used to work on Wall Street, Jim, can you hypnotize me to make a million a year? What I look at is this, is what characteristics and ways of being would you have to have to make a million dollars a year? So what I talk to people about is work on, people always work on the outside things. I want the house, I want the body, I want the car, I want the job. Those are all external things. What I tell people to work on is ways of being. How I can see myself at the identity level and how to reprogram that, which is what I teach people to do. How to, at the identity level, become a person who's committed. Become a person who's got self-integrity. A person that actually is, can be organized. A person who can be disciplined. Because when you have that, then everything that you try to do, so let's say, for example, that I'm very disciplined. Everything that I do will be very disciplined. Why? Because at the identity level, I have discipline. But if at the identity level, I'm an undisciplined person, then no matter what I try to do will be undisciplined because I am an undisciplined person.
1: So to channel that, is that where you be it until you see it?
0: Yes. But here's the thing again. Here's uh, the the little roadblock is that people left brain want to see themselves there but they don't have the commitment to follow through with enough repetition to reprogram themselves at the identity level. So what do you do? So what do you do is you take and you break down what you want into little bitty steps, and what all of us mostly do is we actually say, I'm at point A, and I'm seeing things as they are, but I want to be at point B. Well, the only way to get to point B is to be the person at point B. I see things as I want them to be, not as they are. Ella, you said earlier about goals. This is why people write down their goals on a yearly basis, but they never get there. You see that all the time, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: Because they're being the person at point A where they are instead of being the person at point B where they want to be. And because they're being the person that they are at point A, they keep repeating that pattern over and over and over again. Are you with me on that so far? Yes. Okay. Here's what we do. Focus on what you want. So – what people do, let's say losing weight, P- women are like, I'm so fat. I'm so fat. And let's all this dialogue. This is what goes on people's head in people's heads. I'm so fat. I'm so fat. My clothes don't fit. I don't have time to go to the gym. I don't have time to cook healthy. I don't look good in the bathing suit. My husband doesn't like me. We don't have sex. I'm so fat. I'm so fat. I'm so fat. I mean, people run massive amounts of chatter, what right. I call habit chatter like that. Right. Right. Okay. What they should be focusing on, so what they're focusing on now is the problem. That's where their attention goes. That's where their brain goes. It creates a habit, neural firing in the brain, and it becomes a habit. What they should be focusing on, plain and simple, all throughout their day is I'm healthy and fit, and they see themselves in the mirror. I'm healthy and fit. I'm healthy and fit. Hear it, see it, feel it. Hear it, see it, feel it, because this is the way your brain communicates through the senses. Hear, see, feel. Feel. Now, what people do, though, let's go back. If a person is not a committed person and they don't have that ability, they'll do that for three days and then they fall off track. That's why you want to habit app like streaks or something to remind you to do that all throughout your day, multiple times a day. One more thing. So when you do that, because your subconscious mind and your brain both do not know the difference between real and imagined. This is scientifically proven. So the more you imagine something to be true, the more true it becomes for you. Even if it's not true, even if you don't believe it, the more you imagine it with repetition, repetition is, the, is actually the way to mastery of anything. So the more you imagine the way you want to be over and over and over with emotion and feelings, the more you are literally rewiring and reprogramming your brain.
1: So, Jim, one example that this makes me think of is when you talk to people about achieving financial health, right? And when they're focused on how they don't have money, they need money, they don't have money, there's never enough money, I get it. Like, they're actually focused on the lack and therefore they perpetuate the lack. But you know that it sounds to some people like snake oil to say, just focus on having money and it will suddenly appear in your life. Like, what do you say to the people that come to you with sort of that point of view when they're like, oh, so you're telling me if I just focus on the idea of money, then I'll have it?
0: Actually, that's a great, great question. Let me use my life. okay? and this will this will synopsize everything we've just said for the last hour is my dad was an alcoholic. Never saw my dad without a beer in his hand all the years I was growing up. My father never finished anything. He had no commitment to finish anything. I would watch my father start projects, even though I didn't know I was watching him when I was two, three, four, and five years old. I'd watch him start and never finish. So what do you think I learned as a human being about commitment?
1: Not a lot, except that it wasn't important, I guess.
0: Okay, yeah, it wasn't important, okay? But I learned that it's okay not to be committed. So all the things that I want to do in the world to create money earlier on, I'd start and wouldn't finish. Why? Because at an unconscious level, it was okay not to be committed. So I learned to go out and do things to make money. So what I would do, Ella, until about my 30s, my late 30s, I'd make money, lose money, make money, lose money, make money, lose money. Until I realized this, this just popped in my head one day. If I don't have it in my external world, I don't have it in my internal world. And you can phrase that any way you want. If I don't have it in my internal world, I don't have it in my external world. Is an opposite of that. But meaning, whatever I don't have in my life, Ella, Whatever I don't have in my physical world is because I'm not that, and I don't have it in my internal world. What I did is I sat down one day, this was years ago, and I'm like, you know, Jim, I had just a very honest conversation with myself. You know, you make a lot of money, and next year you don't. You make a lot of money, next year you don't. So when you make a lot of money, you think that you're successful. But you know what? The next year, you don't make a lot of money. So number one, you've got inconsistent patterns running in your life. These are all happening subconsciously. So you know what, Jim? So at an unconscious level is, I believed, even though I had evidence outside to show me that I could make a lot of money, even though I had evidence saying I could make a lot of money at the unconscious level, I was still poor. Mm-hmm. And as long as I was still poor, I would go do things to make money, but I, I would keep going back to my old, like not making a lot the next year. So let me just make sure everybody gets that. So that's the first part. And then I said to myself, Jim, until you become rich in your mind at the identity level, you can do stuff all day long, and you know what, you'll only have temporary results because you're not that subconsciously. So everybody that doesn't have money out there, and 78% of our population has no savings whatsoever in the US, and 40 million women live paycheck to paycheck. The reason that that happens is because at your identity level, you are poor.
1: How did you transition from there?
0: Repetition, Um, I'm also a master hypnotist, self-hypnosis. Repetition all day long, imagining myself multiple times a day. Just which I can I teach people how to do it in a matter of a couple of minutes, going into self-hypnosis, hear, see, and feel the new environment. Hear, see, and feel. Remember, it doesn't matter if I believe it because that's left brain. When we actually do things of repetition, which is how the brain learns, which is how you learn to tie your shoes and how you learn to ride a bike, how you learn to drive a car, that's how the brain learns. This is science. So over and because the brain doesn't know the difference between real and imagined. So the more that I imagined over and over and over, being very wealthy, the more I started changing and then I started doing different things. So that was a matter of self-worth for me and a matter of self-identity. Hopefully, did, did did that make sense?
1: Yes. And I'm wondering about the person who says, okay, well, I don't have access to a coach and I don't have access to this or that. What can I do myself? Do you suggest visualization exercises?
0: I suggest one book, and I actually have it. I have a full hypnosis program and a habit program on my website, but I, I I, suggest one book everyone get. It's called The Power of the Subconscious Mind. You'll find it on YouTube. It's got, I mean, not YouTube, Amazon. It's got like 1,700 re- reviews. Although what everybody does, and then we're winding down here, everybody tries to go do something, not realizing the doing comes from who they are, which is subconscious. And until you change that, and the book will talk about a lot of ways, and I've got a program even more specific than that on my website, but you know what? Until you change who you are subconsciously, nothing will change in your life, period.
1: Jim, I have one more question for you, if you can handle it in this territory. Talk to me, please, about the importance of keeping your own word when it comes to ways of being, because I believe so many of us are actually quite good at keeping our word to other people, but we so often fail to keep our own word to ourselves. Is that important here?
0: Self-integrity is the most important thing any of us can master. Self-integrity for me has been my number one spot that I need to focus on in my life. Mm. The reason why is, is I watch my father have no self-integrity. Now, my brother-in-law is a shaman and my brother's a healer. And my brother-in-law said to me, he goes, the most powerful place that you can operate from when you're using your ego is self-integrity. That is the number one agreement is that we keep our word when we speak it. And that means keeping our word to ourselves and keeping our word to others. And most people, I've done enough surveys on this, most people say 70-30. Is that I keep my word to myself 70% of the time and break it 30% of the time. Then what we do when that happens is we teach ourselves that we don't have to keep our word. And that mm. means that when we give our word, I don't have to keep it. So if I'm in the habit and I have the identity and I know that I don't keep my word and I say I'm going to start working out. What happens with that word, those words?
1: You've trained yourself to not follow through.
0: Exactly. You have trained yourself that your word is not valuable. Then something my coach taught me, Dr. Emery, she said, then it becomes a matter of self-esteem because we teach ourselves that our words are of no value. Then we don't do anything we say we're going to do. Then we feel bad about ourselves and we beat ourselves up. Where I have to focus is this. I tell people that I coach is I would rather you not say anything and not do anything than say something and not do it. And again, everyone listening, I'm, I'm an open book. I'm telling you, this is where I constantly have to keep my attention is in being self-integral. Why? Because I had so many years of learning that it wasn't okay to keep my word to myself. And in one of the coaching models I have, two things. One is science. At Harvard University, they did a study and they found that people in business that keep their word and they keep it very stringently increase their their production anywhere from 1% to 400% with no additional input, meaning wow. that's the power of keeping your word. But I wrote one line in there that I learned from my brother-in-law is that nothing works when we don't keep our word. Does your working out work when you don't keep your word? Nope. Does your prospecting work? Nothing works when we don't keep our word. So you ask how important it is. It's step number one. We speak our lives into existence, Ella. Mm-hmm. You probably – maybe you've heard that. We speak our lives into existence. I'm overweight. I'm fat. I'm pretty. I'm not. I'm rich. I'm poor. And then to go much deeper, which we're not going to do, is words are electromagnetic vibration. And everything in the universe is physics, quantum physics. Not an opinion. This is not new age woo-woo. This is science.
1: We speak our lives into existence. That gives us so much power than I believe most people understand that they have. Yeah, Jim, thank you so much. <laughs> and this, I don't even, I don't want to stop. Let's tell people where to find out more about you and let's let them bombard me with questions <laughs> and let's get you back on the air. How does that sound?
0: Okay, sounds great. I do have, it's about a 20 minute training, uh, video training you can go to actually com backslash brain. And I'll and just it,
1: link to it. Everybody yeah, yeah. can just press yeah. the button.
0: <laughs> yeah. And there'll be a link there. And I do a, a, about a 20-minute training, even digging further or digging further than what we've talked about in two habits. Um, that's probably the best place to go for right now.
1: Okay, Jim, we will link to your video for sure so that they just have to press a button and then they get the training?
0: Yeah. What they'll get is it's about a 20-minute video. You have to opt in to get it. However, when you watch the video at the end, if you want and you want to learn more. There is a $1 trial on my monthly membership site. It's one buck for seven days. You have access to all the content. I don't actually hold anything back. But I have an entire program on that website on how to change your subconscious identity. But I also have another program in that same section on the website on much, much deeper than what we talked about and much simpler because it's all visual on the website on how to change your habits at a subconscious level as well, how to change the brain, how to break the neural pathways. So just full disclosure, when you watch the video, you, you, can, you can stop there if you want. Entirely up to you. But if you want to learn more form, from me, then go to my website. It's a buck for the first week, and you have access to every bit of my content.
1: Okay, Jim. Well, I know we've created some curiosity and I just thank you for everything that you brought to the show today and for making us think and for allowing me to come back to you after we've metabolized this information and dig a little deeper.
0: Thank, thank you. Thank you everyone for listening and, and investing your time. Hopefully you've got some good takeaways. Start small. I know I gave you guys a lot. So take one or two or three things, put them on a three by five card, keep them in front of you and start working there. And then to Ella, thank you very much for the invite. I'm grateful for that.
1: Well, the first thing I'm going to do is hit rewind and go back and listen all over again. (laughs) Jim, thank you so much. I appreciate you.
0: Thank you. I'll take care. I appreciate you and stay well. Okay.
1: All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.